Well, we have this series right now, just two weeks, and it's about sharing our faith. Part of uh, being a disciple is to build disciples. That's what Jesus told us to do. Now, we need to be disciples first, right? You can't share what you don't have. So we've spent six weeks. I hope you see that. We've spent six weeks trying to give you guys an opportunity to engage in discipleship. Now, you didn't just become a disciple over a six-week period. Discipleship is a lifelong commitment, right? That's your lifelong learner. But hopefully you began that process. And as a disciple of Jesus, one of the things that Christ commanded us to do is to share the good news, what he's done. Uh, We're not the only ones that are called to be disciples. We're not the only ones that are called to have this wonderful life in Christ. And so this next two weeks, we're going to be going through and giving you an opportunity, some tools for how to share the faith. For a lot of folks, uh, that's kind of a a scary thing. It's anxiety producing. You say, uh, how do I become an evangelist? And it's almost scary. And so there are lots of ways of sharing the faith. In fact, as we become disciples of Jesus, the fruit of Christ in our life, the, the fruits of the Spirit, will testify for us all the time. But there are opportunities that God uses. For, he uses those fruit to open doors in people's hearts and their lives. What do you say? Well, we don't want to just tell people what we think about salvation and about Jesus. We want to tell them what God says about himself. So that's what we're going to spend the next two weeks doing. What does God say? How do we... How do we um, there's some... Uh, processes or, or ways that folks have shared the faith in the past, the ways that I personally have shared it, uh, that we'll be sharing with you. It's not the only one, so that we'll be doing for the next two weeks. And then after that, we're going to be starting on Easter Sunday, a six-week series on heaven. Because it's important, not just what God has done for us here, but there is a ton of hope for us. There is a reason why we share good news. There's a reason why it is good news. And sometimes uh, it's good to be reminded of that. And so we'll be taking six weeks looking at heaven, and uh, the series is titled uh, Heaven, Why Eternity Matters Today. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned, fall short of the glory of God. Well, we're going to talk about sharing the good news, share the road, right? There's a, there's a way back to God. And if you look in your, your bulletin, you'll notice that it's got a nice little map for you. The reason that I drew this for you is it's a way that I kind of use this to share your faith. You can write this on a napkin or a little piece of paper. It's not the only way of sharing the gospel of somebody doesn't know Jesus and you're a visual person and you want to show them and if you're like me it's nice to have pictures to help you along the path it's called Romans Road so I made it a road right so it's ding right uh, it doesn't doesn't call it Romans Road in scripture they call it Romans Road of Salvation because it's in the book of Romans and it's kind of a clever wordplay like they all roads lead to Rome but this shows us how we can find a way back to God and so I did this work for you. Actually, um, Sarah did, made that nice little road for you. But you can draw that yourself at some point. Um, And then we put these little scripture verses on there for you. Obviously, if you grab a piece of paper or a napkin or something, those won't be there, which is why it's important for you to remember the 323, right? It's on where you begin. And so this is how uh, a way that we can share the faith. Not what I say about how we get close to God, not how you say that we get close to God, but how God himself in Scripture says, how do we get back to him? And and we'll notice that at the beginning, and I've done a little bit of pre-work here, um, is that we start on this path, and and everybody wants to get back to God, right? There's there's a lot of religions out there that say all roads lead to God, right? You've you've heard that, and and, uh, there's a lot of different paths. Everyone, I'm on my path, right? Back to God. We all as people know that there's that we have the separation between us and God. There's, there's this de- desire, this longing with us to be with the divine. And there's a lot of religions that are out there we created to try to explain how to do this. And so 
we intrinsically know just part of, of our very being. We just know that, that somehow we want to be with God, right? But there is a separation. There's, a, there's, a, there's some distance that we have to travel in this life. And so we start here, but up there, this, this is the heaven with confetti and cool stuff because it's a party. That's a throne. That's like, that's like my, my comfy chair because I figured the throne of God's got to be awesome. And so there's God. And then we have this path. We're on this path back to God, but how do we get there? Right? Uh, there's a lot of ideas out there, but what does God say about it? Well, the very first thing, if you look on your notes, you can write, is that there's some signposts we need on the way. And the first one's Romans 3.23, which you guys have read. And if you have a Bible, you can just open it up to Romans and you can make your marks in there if you want to. But here's the first sign that we get to is a big stop sign. What's well, a big sin sign, right? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And what that means is that we don't have access to God, Right? We fall short of his glory. We can't get there. Right. It's as though our sin has done some really bad things. And. It's broken the way between us and God. We, we fall short of his glory. There's there's this big chasm that exists now that the road is out as it were. Right. And so there's a stop sign. God said, don't sin, right? Don't do it. But we did. And we blew past his laws. He gave us commands and said, this is his righteousness. This is his standard of glory. If you want to be with him, because God is perfect, right? He's perfectly just. He can't, he can't be around injustice, right? He can't allow that to be part of who he is. Scripture says, God is light. In him is no darkness whatsoever. And that's really good news. I mean, can you imagine how scary it would be if God was corruptible? I mean, he's all powerful. If he could just wield his power willy nilly, however he wanted to, and he had no care for justice or what was right, he would be terrifying. But God is right. He's always good. He always does what is right. We have great comfort in that. And yet that very truth also is very scary for us because are you perfect? No. This is the thing is that a lot of us think I'm better than the next person, so I'll get back to God. As long as I'm better than most, God will accept me. And you don't think how ridiculous that is. That's like a criminal saying, well, I have broken less laws than someone else, so therefore I don't have to go to jail. It's also a very mean thing to say because it says that the better I am, right? If, if, if God's just going to throw away 50% of the people. I don't know we came away with that idea, but if I'm better than half, I'll get there, right? That means the better you are, you're killing somebody else. Right. You're actually condemning them because now they're not better than you. And that's kind of a bad thing. So that makes you bad. So then are they going? I don't know. It's ridiculous. The idea behind it is that we all fall short. There is no human being that is so good that they are perfect. There is no way for us ever to get to God. And that is bad news for all has sinned. All of us, every one of us. So we begin by this, by saying that sharing the faith is not about me being more righteous than you. It never has been. I have to be a disciple of Jesus, right? In order to make my testimony alive. That's why we started with being disciples, 
in order to build disciples, I have to start with that so people can see that there's fruit of God's Spirit in my life. They can see that somehow I connected with God and He's alive in my life in a way that they can't deny. So they have a reason to listen to me, to know that I'm not just making up a good argument. But, but on my own, I'm just as bad as anyone. Right? All have sinned. And so it's not a matter of, of me somehow signing up for religion to teach me how to be good enough. I've already fallen short of the glory of God. Right? And, and the thing is, is it, it gets, well, not worse, but it gets more dramatic, more desperate when we get to the next sign. And that's Romans 6.23. And if you have your Bible, you can look in it. If not, I will... I will read you the verse. It says, for the wage of sin is death. You see, this chasm is what is called death. And and the thing about this road is you can't stop. Right? We try, right? We do all the healthy diets. We work out. We do all those kind of things. And we try to slow our path, don't we? We we don't want to get to heaven too quickly. Right? That's the whole point of being healthy and all that. Right? So we're... We do all these things. We have all the doctors. We have all the medicine. We do try to, but we can't stop ourselves. We are careening towards this chasm called death that will swallow every one of us. And it says here that the wage of sin, the penalty for sin, is death. God is a just God. He can't just pick you up and say, well, you deserve this, but I don't care about justice, so I'm going to close my eyes and just move you over there. That's not how he works. That would be unjust. That would be corrupt. That would be a scary, scary God that's contrary to his very nature. For the wage of sin is death. So we come against this, we come up to this next sign, which is like that skull and crossbones as you draw out your... Is this a warning sign for us? That we read in Romans 6.23 that says, you know what? Death is approaching Right? Danger. Watch out. And it's a terrifying sign. Right? So we blew past this one. We're, we are careening full speed to death. But that's not the whole passage. There is another sign in Romans 6.23. If I continue, it says, For the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. You see... Where there was a sign of just death, God also gave us another sign, which is a detour sign. We don't have to go there. Well, we can. If you're driving on a road and you see a detour sign, you could blow past it if you wanted to. But it wouldn't get you very far, would it? You see, in life, there is a detour that God made. He said, you, you can go a different way. The, the wage of sin is death. This is where you should go. But I'm making a new way for you. The gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. How is he going to get us from here to there, though? There's a detour sign, but where does it go? Well, in our next passage, 5.8, which is before, and you know, if, you look, if you're in Romans right now, you're turning back pages. I'm sorry for that, but Paul didn't ask me when he wrote Romans how we should organize it. So, but it's nonetheless a biblical truth. And he explains... Where we go. And, the, path, and the, the sign that we get here is a bridge sign. You see, 
here is the road and God makes a little detour for us. And then he makes this awesome bridge over the chasm of death for us. And he tells us how he did it there. A nice thing. It says, but God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, that bridge looks a lot like a cross. Jesus laid himself down into that ditch of death for us so that we could cross over it. He is the one that allows us the way across. See, God didn't just obliterate justice. The wage of sin is death. Death had to be filled. Right? Now, here's a, here's a fascinating concept. How is it that one man could pay for the sins of many? How many lives do you have? One. One life. Right? right? How many sins have you committed? More than one. Okay, just one right now. <laughs> okay. So, the wage of sin is death. One life, one sin. Right? And you've committed more than one. All of us. But even if you only committed one sin your whole life, how many lives do you have left? And if you don't have life, what is that called? Death. So let's just say Jesus lived a perfect life, but was just a man. Right? He lives a perfect life. He never sins and he lays down his life for the sins of others. How many sins would his sacrifice have covered? One. Right? A man could only fill one sin. I mean, it wouldn't even cover your life. So how is it that Jesus could fill in this massive cavern of death that we've dug ourselves? Why it's important for us to remember that Jesus is not just a man. He's God. How much life does God have in him? Infinite life. Now, let's go back to middle school math. Infinity minus anything is what? Infinity. Right? How many sins were created in all of human, all of time? Less than infinity, right? Less than, because we're not infinite people. There's a lot. Uncountable for us, but less than infinity. But the thing is that Jesus was able to fill this, this void because he had infinite life. When he died, he more than filled the void of death. More than. And when he died, he filled this up, but was he diminished? No. Which is why he rose again. He still has infinite life because he's still God. But he paid the price that we never could fill. Even if I died for my own sins, there would still be a cavern there. But Jesus did this. It's not awesome news. While I was still a sinner, while you are still sinning, while you were still digging the ditch, Jesus fills it in for us. That was the most Amazing news. That's one of the best signs ever. It's not just that we have a detour, but a detour to an awesome way. And a way that brings us back to a potential with God. Now, everyone in humanity can cross that bridge. Everyone. Whether they believe or don't. Now, before you throw me out the heretic, wait till you see the next sign. Because we have another choice that's really important. Romans 10.9. It's a one-way sign. You ever seen one of those? It's like a one-way or only. And I got to tell you, looking on the internet was really hard to find one that actually pointed up. 
right? But it's a one-way sign. Because we have an intersection, right? When we get to this point, our sins have been paid for. Right? We have a way around. There is a bridge. The, the, the gulf has been crossed. But here's what Romans 10.9 says. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There is an if there. An if means a choice, a decision. There is an intersection in life that all of us come to at some point. And we have to choose which way to go. Now, God's given us a bright sign that says this is the way of salvation. If you confess that Jesus is Lord, if you believe in your heart, right, that he is God and Savior, right? Well, is there anything that stands between you and God? But if you don't do that, if you choose to go the other way, then tell me, where do you end up? If I choose to say, you know what, I think that Buddha has got some great ideas about how to get back to God. That's how I'm going to be saved. Where do I end up? If I say Muhammad's got some really cool writings, and I think that if I follow his rules, but I don't confess Jesus as Lord, that I'm going to do his way, not God's way. Where do I end up? See, everybody's sins were paid for, but God gives us a choice whether or not we're going to take advantage of that. It's a powerful thing. There is a choice that has to be made. And God gives us the dignity of that choice. He doesn't grab the steering wheel from us, does he? But if, if you confess him as your Lord. That means if you confess that he is the boss of your life, that he, he is God, right? <laughs> You've already crossed the bridge. If you confess that he's really God, that he could do it, that he deserves to be your Lord, the one who gets to tell you what to do with your life, that you get to say, yes, sir, do if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that he really is the Messiah, that he's the one that really came to save. If you do that, you're going to be saved. Now, is that the whole salvation process? Well, no. I mean, we read the whole scripture and we find that in scripture, God says we're supposed to believe, right? That God doesn't want us. There's no magic words. It's not as though you can just confess Jesus is Lord. But if you don't believe it. It's not like magic words, right? If there's no faith, then you just said words that mean nothing. It says to repent. If you repent, but there's no faith behind it, you're just doing it because you want to follow rules, right? You're going to act like God's your Lord, but you really don't believe that he is. There's no faith being expressed. Does that save you? No. Makes you a legalist is what it makes you. Makes you a rule follower, a religious person. But it's the faith that causes you. That's expressed in your repentance. That's what can save you. Right? Is it? It's, there's, a, there's a baptism. It says that we should do, right? It says to be baptized, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, and you're going to be saved. You and your whole household, right? That's the idea. It's baptism. God says to do that, to die with him in the water and be raised again to a new life. If you don't believe, is there anything magic about baptism? I mean, does the water regenerate you somehow? No, it's a hot tub. Not even a very cool one at that, right? You just had a weird bath if there's no faith, right? But if you have faith, if your faith is expressed in that, if you're being obedient because God is your Lord and you're saving, you don't, and you say, okay, 
I'm expressing my faith in this. And I don't understand everything that he's doing, but this is what God wants, and he's my Lord and my Savior, and he asked that, and I'm doing it. It's by faith that you're saved. How about discipleship? If you plug in discipleship, you get involved in a church, man. You're just engaged, and you're in all the ministries, and you're doing all the things, and you're praying every day, and you're reading the Bible, but you don't have faith. You think God's going to be impressed by that somehow? He's going to get to heaven and be like, you're like, well, I didn't really believe, I didn't really follow Jesus, right? I had my own path, which was do the Christian thing without really following Jesus. I didn't confess that he was my Lord. I didn't believe in my heart that God really raised him from the dead. You're still heading this way. It's faith that propels our discipleship. It's faith that allows us to connect with God, to set our roots deep in who He is so we can gain that new heart and receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit, right? It's by faith that God allows us to connect with Him. This is an awesome sign. There is one way back to God. He made the bridge. It's us then following it. It's us by faith, right? Accepting, receiving the grace that He's offered. By faith saying, okay, God, I can't prove it. I can't put Jesus in a test tube and kill him over and over and over again to make sure he rises from the dead. This is not how it works. I can't take the spiritual God, supernatural God, and confine him to nature itself and somehow, you know, do experiments on him to test him to see if he's right. That just doesn't happen. I can't prove him nor disprove him. I can't prove this or disprove it. All I can say is, is it rational? Does it make sense? Is there reason to believe it? And yes, there is. And if so, am I going to put my trust in it? And if you put your trust in God, which is faith, if you, you trust what is reasonable to trust, but you, none of us can prove, if you confess him as your Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, you have faith. And you do that and you follow Jesus. There is one way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is how we get back on the road. And the cool thing is, it's not a question of will I turn, you know, it, is it my skill in turning the car that direction is what saves me? No, it's the fact that if I get on this road, I'm going to get to God, right? There is a way that God made a way back and he showed me how to do it. He said, just follow his directions. Trust me, right? Turn this way. It was like um, I went to... I went down to see uh, my, my grandma's uh, birthday party yesterday in Boulder. I had no idea where her apartment was. Um, I helped move, but you know me, and, well, maybe you don't. I'm bad with directions, right? Like, I'll get lost going to the you know, bathroom sometimes here. I'll just get distracted and be like, where am I? And so <laughs> going to find somewhere in Boulder was crazy. So I have my phone. Siri is awesome because she doesn't yell at me. And, uh, and so I was driving. And I thought I knew better than Siri because I thought, oh, I've driven here before. And she told me, turn left to the next light. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do that because I remember that my dad didn't do that way. I don't think, but he did actually turn there. <laughs> right? I had zero faith in Siri and I didn't get to my destination on time. Right? God has given us directions. He says, this is the way. You either follow them or you don't. That's the way. Now, here's the really cool news. 1013, my favoritest of all of the Romans road, is the welcome home sign. This is the, the coolest sign that we get to. Not a, man, we're sad you're here sign. Not I guess we'll have to let you in sign. But a welcome sign. This is what it says. It says, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. 
Romans 10, 13. Everyone. That, that, that includes you. It doesn't mean like, well, I hope if I was good enough as a Christian. I mean, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, but, but I don't know. You know, maybe I wasn't better than most Christians. Or when I get there, will God just kind of, kind of accept me? No. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. There is assurance. It is the, the faith that brings you to Christ, right? It's not once saved, always saved. It's if saved, always saved, right? You are saved with God. If you are with Him, right? If you have faith and you are saved, if you have faith in Him, you won't worry about it. If you, if you are receiving God's grace by faith with, as Him as your Lord and Savior, there's no question. If you're walking across the street and a truck hits you and you let out a swear word when the truck hits you because you're human, God's not going to stop you at, at this and say, wait a second here. Because it's not your righteousness that brought you to that point to begin with. And it's never an excuse to live a sinful life in Christ, to abuse grace. We talked about that, didn't we? About getting off side of the road of this path. You know, there's the two ditches. One's legalism, one's grace abuse. God doesn't want us to get fall into either of those. We talked about how you make sure that you stay centered. In that is connecting with Him, right? Connecting in God, letting His Holy Spirit guide you and lead you and draw you. And so your actions and your faith match up, right? That's, that's how we stay on the path. So it's important that we be disciples in order to build disciples. But this is how a person becomes a disciple. When you make this path, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, when you realize that, fun, you need a Savior, you have blown past the stop sign of sin, you've done it, we've all fallen short, we've all ruined this road. When you recognize the penalty of sin is death, that is just the way that it is. That is just the way you But When you recognize that God has given us a new way, a, a gift, a free gift of eternal life in Jesus Christ, when you recognize that He bridged that gap for us while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When you recognize that there is one way to salvation and anyone who confesses the name of Jesus as their Lord and, and believes in their heart that God raised Him from the dead, then they will get here. All who believe. All. All are saved. This is one of the most powerful truths because it doesn't come from me. It doesn't come from you. It comes from the very Word of God. This is how God says to us, right? How can you come home, right? How can we be reconnected with Him? And so that is Romans Road. I have shared this many, many times. Um, I usually use different diagrams, but I'm trying to keep with the the road piece. But the pictures, I hope those help you uh, with that. If opportunity as you share your faith with others. Now, next week we're going to give some opportunity to see some folks as they've, you know, ways that they've brought about or praise for folks been able to share their faith with them, right? Stories, uh, examples of how this looks like. Uh, so I'll have the worship team come up, and as you do, um, I'm going to be kind of wrapping this up here. But what I want you to do first, though, is to make a list of your, of your memory or your verses. We're going to be memorizing these in the next few weeks because what's going to happen in five weeks from now you're going to have all of those verses, not just in your head, but in your heart, right? And we're going to be praying very specifically for the next five weeks that God gives you opportunity to share the good news that's in you. But maybe, maybe you've been to church a long time and, and you didn't understand this. Well, that's the cool thing about God is he makes sure that we all have an opportunity to do that. Maybe you've been standing at this road, this intersection, you didn't even know it for a while. And maybe it was, it's an opportunity today that you need to make a decision for Jesus yourself. 
Because in order to make disciples, you have to first by, start by being disciples. So I want you to pull out your, your, your connection card. And on the back, there are going to be some, some next steps for you to take. You know, if, if it's making decisions for Jesus, I, I feel you want, to, want you to tell us that. Because I want to talk to you about that. What does it mean? It's not so simple as just praying a prayer and being in. I mean, it's about laying your life down for God and living for Him. And I want you to count the cost so you understand what that means. But it's a wonderful life. It brings us back to God. It gives us hope for eternity. Maybe there are people in your life who don't know Jesus. And you need to be praying for them. Let us know that because I'll be praying for you as you pray for them. And I may not know their names, but I'll be praying for them too. Or for opportunity. Or maybe it's you need to to come these next couple weeks. as we learn how to, uh, to share our faith. Or maybe it's memorizing the Romans road. You're going to commit to that and then praying for opportunity to use it. I don't know what your next steps are, but I ask that you would please let me know what they are so I can be praying for you. Our staff and our pastors can be praying for you and helping you and assisting you along this journey because this is the most important news in this phase of, of, of eternity, right? Because there are a lot of folks that are creaming right off of that and they need to know there's a detour. There's a new way, a better way. So fill that out here in just a second. Um, as you do, um, I'm going to be praying for you. And then uh, Ryan is going to pray for the offering. And if the offering baskets are packed, please put these in there. Uh, and that would be awesome. We would sure appreciate it. And uh, let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, uh, we're grateful that you are a loving and a good God. That, uh, that we've sinned, Lord. We know that we've sinned. Uh, we fall so sh- far short of your glory in it. Uh, every day, Lord, uh, we do. And, and we know that our sin requires death. And not just physical death, but a separation from you. Something that we can never fill. Something that's eternal and awful. And that's a horrible thought. But I thank you that you loved us enough. That you give us this gift of salvation. That even whilst I was rebelling against you, even while I'm actively rebelling against you, you love me, that you sent Christ to die for my sins, for the sins of, of all these folks. And not just for one or two, but for all of them. That you were able to do it. Lord, and that you give us an opportunity to respond in faith, that we can, can follow you as our God and our Savior. And if we do that, if we confess you as our Lord, if we believe in our hearts that God raised Christ from the dead, that you've done that, Lord, then we know that we'll be saved, that we'll be with you, and that we are not just citizens of the kingdom, but then you give us the extra honor, Father. You call us your disciples, your friends and your children, Lord. Help us as a congregation to live this, to teach this. Give us opportunity to share this good news. Don't let us keep it to ourselves. We ask you.